0: Não, não. não. To another episode of Kaiju Transmissions, I'm your host Matt Parmley. And I'm joined by Kyle Bird, that's me, and we are uh, doing another Halloween episode. We also have a special guest, Mr. Tom, as part of Tom uh, Octambre, Tom To. I don't know what we call it at this, at this point. Say hi, Tom. Yes. yes, hello. It's it's
1: we made the, we made the promise last time that we were going to do it. Every episode, so uh, it's spooky Season. Or is it Spooky
0: Season? There, like we, we hit the joke. We did it. Uh, we have a cool episode lineup tonight. We're going to be talking about two Sunny Chiba films. Uh, the first one, Terror Beneath the Sea, and the second, Samurai Reincarnation. Uh, we're going to start with Terror Beneath the Sea, which is actually directed by... Hajime Sato, and it's based on a novel by Masami Fukushima, who is actually the co-writer of one of my favorite horror films, Matango, and the future screenwriter of Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 1974.
2: Do either of you Uh,
3: remember... uh, Hajime Sato's probably his most famous movie?
2: It's one we all like a lot. Matt?
3: I'm just, I'm we just slapped
2: myself.
3: We reviewed one of his movies last time we talked about the Golden Bat. To, uh, Trev is, our, is the resident Golden Bat mega fan. Oh, Goke! Okay. <laughs> but go-kay. yes, you, yeah. he did do oh, Golden yeah. Bat. Awesome. Um, well, I guess since you guys don't know the movie, I'm actually referring to it's Goke Body Snatcher from. I Hell.
0: said Goke. You did say Goke. I mean, like.
2: Did you think I said okay? I don't know. <laughs> all I heard was you say
1: Golden Bat and then and then you said Trev is our resident Golden Bat person and I said, "Oh, it's Goke."
3: Oh, well all I all I heard were dueling voices between the two of you, so I didn't <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. I apologize. Um well just like
0: honestly, instead of watching terrible needs to see, just go watch Goke instead. I and mean. that's a better, a better decision. Spoiler <laughs> alert
1: for Matt's <laughs> final score.
0: Uh, so, also, *Terrible Need to See* originated as a, uh, as an idea for a three-part American TV miniseries, uh, and this is also a co-production between Ram Films and Toei. That, if successful, would have led to twelve more co-productions with them. Spoiler: It was not successful. Uh. And it's the the only other co-production between the two companies would be The Green Slime.
3: The Green Slime was the second and last production of any kind for Ram Films. (laughs) So they did did those two movies and pieced out of existence, (laughs) basically.
0: So, uh, who... Was Ram Films. So it's a small p- production company ran by producers William Manley and Ivan Reiner, or Reiner, um, and often had assistance from William Ross, who ran Frontier Enterprises. Godzilla fans would know Frontier from uh, dubbing of Godzilla vs. Sea Monster, Son of Godzilla, and other movies.
3: William Ross is in a bunch of stuff, too, usually is like a bit stock gaijin actor. Yeah, you definitely know him when he like when You'd you know see him if him.
0: you saw him, yeah. Yeah. So uh, terry needs to see who wants to take a stab at the plot synopsis. Uh,
3: I guess I can. Um. So, uh,
2: we open with um. Uh, what are they covering?
3: There's a reporters. Um new
2: new torpedoes.
3: Yeah, that's right, because they go through a really boring demonstration of torpedoes. <laughs> um <laughs> but we open with uh, uh, I guess the Navy um, you know, demonstrating these torpedoes to uh, a room full of reporters. Um we have uh Sonny Chiba as Ken. Um and
2: uh his photographer
3: She's a photographer but like she follows sure. him around? Are they, but like they might also like have a a relationship thing? But yeah. they're also friends, I guess? Yeah. That's what a relationship is, Bird. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the movie doesn't really tell us what they are or what they mean Pretty- to each other. Um and uh that's Peggy Neal play uh uh, uh playing uh Jenny. Um, people know Peggy Neal from, uh, X from Outer Space, I think, is the, uh, the big one. Um, but, uh, she wasn't really an actress. She was a model in Japan, and she wound up in, you know, a small handful of movies. Um, and, uh, so they're, uh, they're watching this demonstration, and, uh, they see, like, a f- shape that's sort of like a human, but as, like, fish features uh they see when they're like you know watching and they're like what was that and then the the navy guys are like it's fine it's probably just a dead body it's not a big deal (laughs) 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 and then they're like and then everyone's just like oh oh okay um (laughs) like nobody second guesses it at all
0: Nobody has any follow-up questions about the dead body either. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, I'm with the torpedo demonstration or whatever.
3: Yeah, anyway, everyone's like, oh, it's okay, whatever. Um and uh so uh Ken and Jenny go scuba diving and they encounter a fish monster, a fish man. Um and they 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 get some uh, Peggy Neal takes some photos, and they're like, you know, freaked out. So they go back, back to the shore. She drops her camera. Yeah, she drops her in. camera though, and so they're talking. Um, you know, they're talking to the Navy lieutenant um, Colonel Brown, played by uh, get this, the actor's name is Franz Gruber.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's in a bunch of stuff apparently. Like he's in. <laughs> Like genocide and prophecies of Nostradamus and uh, uh, Espy.
3: Yeah, he's also in *X from Outer Space*. Um, uh, Gamera versus Jiger. Um, anyway, Franz Gruber, not Hans Gruber, the terrorist, <laughs> <laughs> but Franz Gruber. <laughs> and um, and they're like, but we saw a fishman monster, and he's like, yeah. Well, where's the proof? And they're like, oh, we dropped our camera. And then, uh, and then he's like yelling at Peggy Neal. He's like, "Well, maybe he's he's like I don't believe you. You're you're crazy." And she's like, "You're just saying that because I'm a woman." And then he's like, "Blah." And then he like leaves. And then the other guy is like, "Look, Colonel Brown. He's actually a really nice guy. <laughs> he's like, he's actually really nice." Like. He, I don't know what came over him, whatever. And so then um, they're like, okay, well, no one believes us because we're saying crazy things. So they go back into the ocean and retrieve the camera, but they uh, are kidnapped by fish monsters and taken to an underwater base, um, uh, which is led by um, a crazy scientist guy who's... Uh, is, fine. is
2: that what you're
0: talking about?
3: Is that the bad guy? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So he's um so he runs this underwater base. How he established it or built it or whatever is anyone's guess. But he's like you know, the surface sucks and people are dumb, so I'm going to turn I'm going to make fish people. And they'll just do anything I say, and basically I'll take over the world and be, you know, the the world uh you know, I guess the, the the leader of the world run by fish people. And they're like, Well that's like you shouldn't do that as bad. And he's like, No, it's pretty cool. Watch. And so he um <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's basically yeah, that's exactly what happened.
3: <laughs> so so he does a demonstration where like he takes a guy And he shows, like, this surgery where he's, like, he shines this light on them, and, you know, they build up this, like, fish-like skin. Um, And he, they show how he, like, he, he implants, like, a set of gills into them, and he turns them into, like, these silver fish people that look very kind of, like... You know, I mean, obviously inspired by a creature from the Black Lagoon, but they almost look more like an alien you would see on, like, Ultra 7 or something. Um, And he's like, so that's how they're made. And then he's like, and I can get them to do whatever I want by, like, turning this knob. And so, like, if he wants one to walk, he'll turn the knob to the part that says walk. Or he'll turn the knob that says work if he wants them to, like work as far as I can tell the knob has like three settings and they're like
1: work fight and I think there's like a third one that you don't ever get to see and he's like I can control them to do anything I'm like looks like you can
3: control them to do about three things isn't there one (laughs) is there one that says stop that just like makes them stand there I think there might be a stop one but yeah he he demonstrates to them he's like look they'll do anything I want them to and he turns the dial to say fight and like two of them start fighting it's like why would he need this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um and so the whole time that's happening um you get to i guess the the b plot which is uh franz gruber just cruising around in a submarine looking for them and not finding anything it cuts to that a lot <laughs> yeah. um and uh they kidnap a uh, professor howard played by andrew hughes who Um, Eagle Eared, listeners will remember, we brought him up when we talked about Golden Bat, because he was, like, he also played the kidnapped American scientist in Golden Bat. I guess that's, like, his thing. Um, but that's another American actor, like William Ross. If you, like, Google him, like, he's in so much, uh, uh, stuff. Like, he was in, um... Uh, He's in, like, uh, stuff like Monster Zero. Yeah, Destroy All Monsters, King Kong Escapes, Latitude Zero. He's another one of those guys, like William Ross, that he'd just show up as, like, a stock American guy who would, you know, be, you know, sitting at a UN council or whatever. Like, you would know him if you Googled him. Um, He usually isn't given much to do, but here he, like, factors into the plot, and he's, like, this kidnapped scientist. Um, And they want to use him uh, you know, in their, in their th- endeavors, and, and, uh, they tell Sonny Chiba, they're like, uh, we know that, uh, as a journalist, you're a great writer of propaganda, so, like, we're gonna, we actually, like, want you to, like, like, be here, and, like, I guess they want him to, like, make propaganda <laughs> for them? I don't know. Um, but, uh, and, and, but what, I, I don't know, maybe they don't, cause they end up just trying to turn him and Peggy Neal into fish people anyway. Um, so uh they like get like a fifth of the way into turning them into fish people um and eventually you know they they escape and they they fight a bunch of fish people and you know they 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 get back with the navy and get back home and um everyone everyone lives happily ever after um the the yeah after everyone's saved they call hughes and they're like hey can you like unfishify us and he's like oh and and, like he just does so i i don't know how they never tell us he says he knows the cure yeah that's that's (laughs) that's exactly what they
0: say in the movie like uh, peggy neal's character wakes up and she's like how am i normal because she she wakes up and she immediately starts screaming and hiding her face that's her shtick in the movie she's repulsed by how she she appears after they do the experiment on her and then when she wakes up she's like she, they're like relax you're fine you you look normal and she's like well how and he's like well he knew how to fix it and that was like the line in the movie <laughs> yeah don't, don't worry, worry about, about it it's fine <laughs> <laughs>
3: um oh and this also has a he's been we have brought him up quite a few times lately uh this also has a score from Shunsuke Kikuchi, who I think is best known for Dragon Ball stuff. But also the Show Gamera films, Goke, um, you know, Common Rider. I mean the the guy is insanely prolific, but uh so that, that's Terror from Beneath the Sea or Terror I always want to say Terror from Beneath the Sea, but it's actually Terror Beneath the Sea. Um, yeah. Uh, AKA Oh yeah, I I should mention they keep calling the fish people water cyborgs, but like
2: they're not cybernetic. Yeah. That's so... also fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
3: um so uh so that's terror beneath the sea. Apparently,
1: um, did you know that this movie is also known as Agent X2 Operation Underwater?
3: How does that what does that mean?
0: <laughs> Anybody's guess.
1: Nothing nothing about this movie has like an Agent X or, you know, an X2 or Agent X2, like that is not that is not a thing in this movie at all. <laughs> um it, one other little piece of trivia, the the submarine that they are destroying during the demonstration which what a what a expensive demonstration, you know, like <laughs> let let's destroy destroy a whole submarine just to show off our torpedoes to the press, which is also an insane plot device. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it was based on the USS Triton, which was an early nuclear submarine that is actually famous for making the first submerged around the world voyage in 1960.
0: Hmm. I have a question for both of you about the ending of the movie and how like. So I don't have an answer. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) So Franz Gruber's character. He's like, hey, let's uh, let's shoot these nuclear equivalent missiles at this base. And they're like, you're going to kill everybody and destroy everything. He's like, it's going to be fine. And then he (laughs) is like, we're going to go now save the three people that are you know, in there, which would be Sonny Chibo, Peggy Neal, and the scientist, uh, Professor Howard. So like, if he's going to blow everything up with basically a nuke, why does he think he can then also go in and rescue them after the fact?
1: It's not nukes, though. It's his, it's his new torpedoes. Are like, they nukes?
0: They're like... Did I miss that in the beginning torpedo torpedo of the movie? Things, But they talk about, during that conversation, that you're like, they're like, no, you're going to blow up everything and kill everybody. He's like, no, it's fine. I'm still going to go rescue them. And then the, he has the to far, his commanding officer to go.
1: The far crazier thing is, like, earlier in the movie, they're going around, they're searching for these two people, and they come across, like, all this nuclear waste just, like, laying around. <laughs> and, and first of all, they're like, this shouldn't be where the nuclear waste is. The nuclear waste dumping ground is over there. <laughs>
0: Does that ever factor in and, at all like later And then
1: on? they never explain like <laughs> like what this nuclear waste is or where it came from and then at the end of the movie they blow it up <laughs> That's it's like when they first come across it they're like oh we can't go here there's all this nuclear waste so we have to turn back um you know they do the old. They they do the old. Doctor Doctor Rick Stanton. I want to have kids, and I don't want them to have flippers. Um, but they they do that, and and so they leave, and then at the end of the movie, they're like, "Let's blow up all this nuclear waste and go right through it and save the day." And it's like, "Whoa, whoa,
2: <laughs> whoa!" It was at the wrong. It wasn't at the dumping ground, though. <laughs>
1: That's, that is probably the craziest part. They're like, how did the nuclear waste get here?
2: The dumping ground is over there. <laughs> um, uh... when they, uh, also, when they, when they first, you know,
1: wake up underwater, uh Peggy Neal is like, Hey, we could just swim back to the surface. And, and Sonny Chiba's is like, no, we can't, we don't have enough oxygen. We're three thousand feet underwater, we don't have enough oxygen, and um the the pressure of being three thousand feet underwater would also just crush your body. The the world record for a scuba dive is a thousand feet.
2: It's fine. <laughs> I nothing matters and those aren't actually cyborgs. That's <laughs>
0: I, I do think, like, okay, so I'm going to talk about some stuff that I did like in the movie. I, I think uh, Mike Deneen as the uh, the doctor, Joseph Heim, I think he's genuinely pretty... I think he's genuinely kind of fun and just, like, stupid over-the-top performance, but I, I think his character can be fun at times. I do think Peggy Neal, like, she seems to be having fun in the movie. Um, But, like, that's... Uh, That's kind of all I can say good about it. I think, like, you know, Tommy talked about the the Colonel, uh, Colonel Brown's character. Like, he sucks. He's, he, like, we, we pan back from the underwater base to, like, the submarine far too often, and they don't really do much until the very end. The movie's, like, you know, 80 minutes, 79 minutes, something like that, and it feels like it's 20 minutes too long still somehow, and I think a lot of it's because I feel like they use the same five explosions, at the end of the film over and over and over again.
3: You know something that I'm I'll I'll point out to you guys that'll probably make a lot of sense. Um so th- this is a Toei film. This movie was not um filmed by Toei's movie department. This was done by
2: their television team. Yeah, that
3: makes sense.
2: Yeah, I see that.
3: So that's probably why it like well kind of like what Matt what kind of what you were going and saying like that that probably is why it seems like a a little cheaper <laughs> Um it really
0: is like a long version or like a long episode of Ultraman in many ways like really especially seven. 7. Yeah,
3: I was going to say Ultraman. Yeah, Ultra it's, seven. Defi- it's definitely it's definitely Ultra 7. I don't know who designed the fish people, but they have a very Tsuburaya alien, like, Sajin look to them. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some overlap there.
4: Yeah, I could definitely see that.
3: Yeah. Um, um
1: another, another part that I liked was, at the end, they, there's this, there's this showdown between Sunny Chiba and uh, and, uh, the bad guy and it's down a long, long corridor and they're, they're like shooting at each other kind of around the corner and the, the bad guy's got like four guys around him and they're like, Oh no, like he's going to escape. And, and so she was like, don't worry, I know how to stop this guy. And Peggy <laughs> Neal's like, I hope you got a good plan because he's got four dudes helping him. And so she was like, I've got a great plan. And his plan is just that he runs straight at them
2: Damn. down the hallway
1: <laughs> and they don't shoot at him.
0: I know. <laughs> I I forgot about that, but when you started telling the story, I was like, Oh yeah, this is like the teleporting Sonny Chiba thing where like he just like magically rushes them and he He doesn't like just like run through them, he like gets behind them somehow almost to the scientists. Yes. And they're like, "What?" <laughs> Pretty good plan. Guess he it's forgot nice. to like turn the knob on fight or something.
4: <laughs> in
1: in terms of something that I do genuinely, genuinely actually like, and it's like it's almost the thing that's like too clever for this for this movie. Is at the end when they're in this like escape pod and they're they're trying to get out. Um, you know, they they the the heroes manage to all get in and. They're like, how do we, how do we start this? They're looking around. They don't know how to start the the machine because there's like levers and buttons and knobs everywhere. And rather than just like, oh, let me, you know, do this and we'll be fine, and like, like, in an instant, figuring out this complex machine, the door opens back up and the, the the bad guy comes in and like surprises them and pushes them except for Peggy Neal out, and starts to open a a panel to like hit the button that makes it go. And then she manages to get the door back open and gets Sonny Chiba back in, who then they have like another, another battle. But then she goes, he was going to use this button, you know, that's, that's like a clever like way to get around that sort of conundrum actually in a movie. Um, of course then the button winds up being like one of those old timey, um, Pull chain levers that you have on those old ass kind of toilets, <laughs> but that's kind of a that's kind of a clever or intelligent you know solution to a, a normal
2: plot problem. Yeah,
3: um, <clears throat> the stuff that I like about this movie is like the kind of kitschy camp kind of, you know, show a um, Japanese monster movie kind of stuff. Like, um, I like the crazy, nonsensical plot of, like, oh, this guy somehow made a huge research facility underwater and he's turning people into fish people. Like, that's awesome. Um, The fish people themselves are doofy looking and I like them. Um, (laughs) There's one part where I... Like either an actor's like uh, knee or elbow or armpit, like like rips <laughs> one of the like rips the suit. Um, Both of those things happen. Uh, <laughs> a shoulder, a, a shoulder and a knee, pop through. <laughs> That's pretty big. Cool. Um, all the stuff with Sonny Chiba and Peggy Neal in the in the underwater base and the you know the hammy evil doctor. You know that. That's the stuff I like. Um, it's where the movie really slows down for me is when they they cut back to Franz Gruber just chilling in a submarine, kind and it's everybody. Yeah, it's it. Oh. You know, it it almost feels like um this w- probably might have worked better as you know like that three part TV mini series or something because it it feels like they were like okay well. How do we just switch up the locale? And it's like, well, I guess the only other character we have is this like navy guy. I guess we'll just like show him look for them and like yell at people. And that's like, that's the 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 movie just kind of like, it feels like it's going at like like breakneck speed, and then it just like slams on the brakes whenever <laughs> whenever they go back to that. So. Um, but I mean, I, I dig most of the other stuff. I mean, it's nonsense, but it's, it's fun. Non, it's fun enough. Nonsense. How,
1: like how early in the movie they're like, this is just probably just a dead body that floats <laughs> around the ocean all the time. And then, and then like, you know, they're like, Oh, we only found their camera. I guess they died. He's like, no, they're definitely alive.
2: <laughs> Based on what? um if you think there's just dead bodies
1: just floating all around the ocean which you know in a, in a very real kind of way there are but uh but if that's if that's your take on ocean life is that you're just gonna find dead bodies floating around those two are in your head should probably be dead <laughs> especially since he at that point does not believe them about the fish monsters because he's like God. Dumb woman can't even hold on to the camera. <laughs>
3: Brown is a—he's uh, an optimist,
1: man. He's—he's a, he's a complicated guy. I guess so that's <laughs> what the
3: one guy says. He's—he's—he's
1: he's, yeah. he's he's, he's actually a really good guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a really nice side? guy. Like, so, what side he's on initially? Because he doesn't believe anybody, but he also seems to be wanting to put the the pieces of the puzzle together at times. And you're like, whose side are you on? Like, I thought at one point he would end up being some like double agent or something i don't know
3: he's a complicated man man
2: you know i
0: found
1: another aka for this movie Uh uh-oh robot agent x2
0: they just get worse and worse every
2: (laughs) that makes even less sense
0: (laughs) i do there's a there's a fair amount of like gore or blood i guess uh during the final battle that's kind of fun like there's some people getting impaled with like the spear things and stuff like, there's, there's some stuff to like in here uh, amongst all the different nonsense, I guess is what I'm saying. But it's not, like, it's not great.
3: It's no green slime, I'll tell you that. No. No, it's not.
1: No. Uh, <clears throat> no. And here you guys just did a, you know, recently did a whole a whole episode about, you know, some of Sonny Chiba's greatest movies and his contributions to the industry. And then you bring me on for this.
0: <laughs> yeah we didn't do tom any favors on this one well
3: this is uh this is this is in the this is still like early sunny chiba so this is like this is still circa you know golden bat neptune men um you know this is still pre-street fighter so you know he he has yet to become the sunny chiba we would go on to know and love um Uh I've only seen the dub of this, but I actually think I like the dub. I think it's fun that's what I watched yeah um, the Japanese version is about three or four minutes longer, so I don't know if anything it says makes... it's more it says it's more violent you know I have Which, um that tracks uh well, I have uh John Lemay's book uh. The Lost Cuts, editing Japanese giant monsters, and in that, he does, like, like, he goes through all the the Japanese monster movies and does, like, a comprehensive breakdown of, you know, the differences between the Japanese and the American versions. And, um, I actually have it right next to me. Let me, I can just really quick go to Terror from Beneath the Sea. Um, Not from... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here it is. Let's see. Bah ba-ba-ba-ba. Okay, he says, um, The American version is three minutes shorter than its Japanese counterpart, which was rumored to have additional scenes of violence concerning the monstrous water cyborgs. In the interest of being thorough, what I had to compare to the US version the US version two was a Japanese print dubbed in German. If it's exactly the same as the Japanese print, I can't say for sure, but considering it has Japanese slates and titles, I would assume that it is. Furthermore, as the print I saw was in German, I cannot tell you uh, additional dialogue details, Um, but he says that uh, it's mostly um, dialogue that is deleted, and there's really not any um, significant extra violence. So that's just another... Thing that someone said at one point, and uh-huh. just—they're so trying bothered. to make it more interesting, and they—they
2: they did not. So. <clears throat> um. Anyway,
3: yeah, the the
2: it 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 it
3: feels more like a, a TV movie than something like you know the green slime, um. Which I guess makes sense because it was filmed by Toei's TV unit, um. Anyway, uh I mean it's it's fun enough that, you know, I would say, "Oh, if you're like just interested in like just watching a crap ton of, you know, Japanese kind of like like low budget kind of horror movies from the 60s, like, you know, there's no reason not to watch it." But, I, you know, it's not something that I would be like, "Okay, go, you know, now and check it out," you know. So that, that that's how I feel about it.
1: Yeah, if you want to subject yourself to it, it's on YouTube.
3: Yeah, I think and, the DVD might still be in print, but and that's, it's pretty old. That's about as much effort as
1: I would put into watching
0: it. I don't even uh, think I put that much effort into. I, it.
1: I, I, you know, I watched it for this for this podcast, and if you think that some of the stuff we've said it sounds like amusing, then then yeah, it's worth just typing it into YouTube and finding it. It's not worth much more
2: effort than that.
3: Yeah. All the fish people stuff is 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 good. Everything else is kinda dull. Duh.
0: Um what's a good uh somebody come with with a kitschy rating scale for this one?
1: Out of out of five miles displaced from where the nuclear testing ground should
3: be. <laughs> The dumping ground. How many miles dumping. away from where the nuclear dumping ground underwater sh- should be? You <laughs> <of five. laughs> give this out of five. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go. Uh, I I don't know. It, it's not. It's not lame enough for me to give it a two and a half, but it's not good enough for me to give it a three. But I would pivot downwards from a three. So like if if I'm doing like a letterboxed, I would give it a two and a half. Maybe I would give it, like, a 2.6 or 2.7 if I had to get, like, really dumb about it. But um, but the all the fish people stuff is fun. Um, Peggy Neal and Sunny Chiba are actually, like, pretty fun and pretty charming together. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's just... There's also a lot of really dull stuff in between that really kind
2: of isn't that exciting. So, that's where I am. Yeah, This this one slides into my
1: negative scale because this is just like we said, it's not well made and it looks really cheap. And uh, yeah, you know, Sonny Chiba's is. Giving it a decent effort and Peggy Neal looks like she's having fun and none of the performances are super, super like cringe bad or anything, but. This is this is just like not a good movie in in any real way. (laughs) (laughs) And so this 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 slides into my negative scale. But even there, it's not like it's not fun enough consistently enough to be like a negative three or a negative three and a half where you're like, oh, this is bad, but you're going to have a great time. No, this is bad. You'll have a moment or two of of good times. You'll have a few unintentional laughs. You know the 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 nuclear testing ground is over there. Uh, stuff like that. There's a, probably a few others. the The transformation sequence is decently upsetting to to see them. You know, just it's it's a it's actually a pretty good like
3: don't show too much type of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. But I'm at a negative the part where they and like and
3: wake up after turning like sort of fish. Person is actually like
1: kind yeah. of effective. Yeah, but I'm I'm at a negative two and a half out of negative five, so it's 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 kind of the same
0: thing as a two and a half out of five. So yeah. So
3: you could have just said two and a half and been normal.
1: I could have, but I had to specify <laughs> that this is a bad. Well,
0: bro, you said two point seven. I'm gonna cut this man some slack, all right? <laughs> uh I... so. I just think this movie is kind of dull overall and not enough stuff to really like. So I'm going to give this uh, two teleporting Sunny Chibas never getting shot at by the cyborgs down the hallway out of five.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about a real Sunny Chiba movie, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shall we? Um, so here we have uh, what I, I believe this is a co production between Katakawa and Toei um samurai reincarnation directed by kinji fukusaku who um has made a lot of movies i guess we we've talked about him quite a bit we've done the green slime message from space um i feel like we've done more than that anyway whatever um yes virus virus yeah yeah tom were you on the virus episode no i was not okay but you remember Tom
0: gets to live that out every day in the year 2021
2: so it's we
3: fine. all well yeah we all live that movie daily at this point um uh anyway yeah Kinji Fukasaku I mean really shouldn't need an introduction to listeners of this podcast especially at this point but if you don't know who that is I mean a, a pretty influential uh prolific Japanese uh genre film director made all kinds of Movies, a lot of gangster films, um, uh, uh, a lot of stuff with Sonny Chiba. Um, He was like his, uh, they were like De Niro and Scorsese back in the day. Um, uh, Tokusatsu-wise, you know, The Green Slime, Message from Space, um, Legend of the Eight, Samurai. um, But very, very influential director. Uh, He went out with a bang with Battle Royale as his last movie um which i always say that's like i don't know how many directors have gone out on a note that high um kill bill was dedicated to him um anyway um so samurai reincarnation this one requ- this is a pretty culturally um specific i guess is what i would say kind of movie and that the more you kind of know about the characters and the the time period Probably the more rewarding it'll be. So, you know, for American audiences, um, I don't think you couldn't enjoy it, but you know, if you if you know the stuff, then um, you know, it's stuff any Japanese moviegoer would know because it's, you know, that country's history. But for us it's like, you know, asking them to know who I don't know, like Robert E. Lee or something is well, yeah. <laughs> it's asking like them to know, you know, about the
1: shot heard around the world. With the American Revolution and things like
3: that, right? So, yeah. Um, but birth uh, of the nation and founding but, followers and This things. is a pretty cool little um, uh, kind of fantasy horror samurai movie. Um, it's like part jidai geki, which is like period drama, you know. Part like almost like part like evil dead ish. Like it it's a it's a genre mashup for sure. Um. Uh, special effects art designer uh, Tetsuo Osawa um did the, the effects art design. He did a lot of the uh, art design on Toho's kaiju movies from, like, the 80s and 90s. So, you know, he worked on Gunhead, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, uh, Rebirth of Mothra, stuff like that. As well as Message from Space and um, The Last Dinosaur. Um, this is based on a novel by an author named uh, Futaru Yamada. Um... And uh, this was the first adaptation, but it's a it's a very famous novel, um, and it's had uh, since then, since this it's had multiple anime, uh, manga, um, and also uh, um, other film versions, as well as a stage play um, that uh, Fukusaku directed as well, which I believe Sunny Chiba was in. Um, and the story actually inspired uh, the fighting game Samurai Showdown. Um, which was, I think, that was Neo Geo. But do you guys remember Samurai Showdown? It wasn't quite like the Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat level, but it was like that same time period. It was in like all the arcades. It was on your Super Nintendo stuff like that.
0: Nope. Yeah, it's a fun game. I there's a there's several different sequels, but yeah, those are they're pretty fun.
3: Yeah. Okay. So Tom doesn't because he's dumb or whatever. But <laughs> no, I used to play Samurai Showdown when I was when I was a kid. So. Um, fighting games were my thing. Wait, who, Tom, were you the one that said fighting games weren't your thing? Yeah, I suck at them. Well, that's why you don't know Samurai Shodown. Because fighting games were my jam. So I remember going to arcades, playing the Samurai Shodown games, you know, renting them on Super Nintendo, and and I think there was a PlayStation one, too. Uh, they still make them, but yeah. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll go to the time period, um... Uh, which is uh, the 1600s. I think this might be right after the warring states. It's like right in the middle of it. I'm sorry, it's right after, but
0: some of the stuff that leads up to it that we'll talk about is kind of like right in the middle of it.
3: Okay. Um, So Matt, uh, for those who don't know, Matt is a Christian. Uh, Unlike me, I'm a filthy, horrible heathen um if there is a hell i'm probably for sure going um but matt is probably is... for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh matt is a man of faith uh so matt you can give a, a little bit of uh the the history with christianity in japan which i think we mentioned very briefly like i think when we talked about batman ninja but it that there's a significant history there that um that uh, I think you can speak to.
0: Yeah, so I am. Uh, so J- Japan is basically introduced to Christianity from Catholicism. So I'm I'm Protestant. Not that that matters in this case, but like it's introduced uh, in the form of Catholicism. And leading up to Christianity entering into Japan, um, you're basically dealing with the Warring States period, which is basically a time where Japan is constantly at civil war until it's unified in like 1615. And what ends up happening is uh, Portugal is able to open up a trade route um, in Japan on an island called uh, Tanegashima. And basically, this is important because it's the first time that matchlock firearms are able to be traded in Japan. And the reason that's significant is because prior to this, for like 200 years, Japan had guns or access to guns. But the matchlock fire system actually allowed them to have one person aim, light, and shoot the gun, whereas previously you needed often like two people to be able to light the um, the, the firing mechanism. And what this leads to is um, the the Portuguese are able to, to open up trade routes where you start getting like imports from other countries. Um, they start exporting Japanese silver. They start exporting things like lacquerware, which is like these fancy Japanese dishes that had a bunch of different carvings and different things. And that would be considered exotic by Europeans of the time. So that's in like 1542. And then Christianity is introduced in 1549 by a guy named Francis Xavier. And he actually goes to uh, Kyushu and he, he's like the first Christian missionary to Japan. But the reason he's able to do that is because two years prior, he actually meets a man named Anjirō who becomes uh, baptized under the name of Paulo de Santa Fe, and he is the first recorded and known Japanese Christian. Basically, he was a samurai. Um, he got into some sort of skirmish, and he actually he ends up murdering somebody. He flees Japan, and he goes to an island, or he go, he basically flees Japan, goes to an area that's held by Portugal because at that point, um, all the different European nations were essentially co- uh, colonizing and conquering different various territories. So he's able to go to a place called Portuguese Malacca, and he becomes Christian. In becoming Christian, he meets Francis Xavier, and basically what they do is he be, he becomes his interpreter. So you need a way in to be able to convey all these different ideas, especially when it comes to something as complicated as religion. So Francis Xavier uses Angiro, or Holiday de Santa Fe, as being like his interpreter, his guide across the country, able to, and he teaches him about the different customs and, and different things about uh, the, the country of Japan and the Japanese people. So then, um, enter in uh, the this guy named Oda N- Nubanenga, Sorry, and I'm I'm butchering the name, so that's my shtick. I'm gonna keep doing that for the remainder of what I'm talking here. But he's someone that's referred to as the Demon Daimyo. Um, basically, a Daimyo is like a um, a feudal lord. He serves a Shogunate, and the reason he's important is because one, he's considered the first of three unifiers of Japan. But second, he kind of grows tired of some of the Buddhists and the, and the priests who live this life of luxury and power, looking down upon the, the peasants. And they have the, they're supposed to have this moral code, but they're not abiding by it. And so he ends up siding with the Christians. And what that allows him to do is open up free trade. So he's working with the Portuguese. He's working with the Catholics as they're coming in. And he opens up basically free trade across his area in Japan. And that's significant because under that time period, uh, Christianity balloons. All the different missionaries were able to come in. You get upwards of something like 500,000 Christians in the area at the time, which is a huge number, um, especially considering to today, like Japan is maybe 1.5% Christian. Um, so what ends up happening after that is uh, Nobunaga is actually eventually killed off in a, in a battle. And the second... Known unifier of Japan named uh, Totayama Hideyoshi, he issues this anti Christian edict. And what that does is it basically says, hey, if you're Christian or you're a foreign missionary, we want you out. They began to fear the power of foreign influence um, and Christianity as a whole. And they also had, they took issue with like, at this point, slave trade is very common. So you you start seeing really awful things like, okay, well, this particular lord, this feudal lord, has slaves, they sell them to the Portuguese, and you have all this different other stuff kind of happening. And so eventually the, the feudal lords start taking issue with that. And what that eventually leads to is um a huge revolt called the the Shambar Rebellion. And there's some there's some things that happen in between there. There's there's a couple different, there's like this um the 26 martyrs. Uh, Hideyoshi actually executes 26 different people. They're called the 26 Martyrs. They're specifically Christian missionaries. Um, and there's a bunch of different shogunate edicts that basically say you can't you can't be a Christian. They kick all the different foreigners out. This leads to a period of like basically for a couple hundred years, Japan is isolated from any sort of foreign influence. Um, but in the uh, the Shambhara uh, Rebellion, you have which is the rebellion specifically tied to this movie. You have um, a daimyo who's basically going to enforce taxes on this group of people. And they start initially, the the revolt starts because of taxes, but they end up taxing a mostly Christian area. And so what ends up happening is you have a Christian samurai who kind of comes to power. He leads a revolt. Several thousands of people get killed. They have estimates up to like 37,000 rebels are basically executed, beheaded. They put their heads on pikes. Really, really horrific stuff they expel the Portuguese traders um, from Japan. There's some talk about even the samurai having some aid from like Protestant people because uh, at the time that this is all happening, Protestants and Catholics are also like having issues in other countries and specifically like Dutch and Portugal aren't getting along. So there's some talk about maybe even the Dutch actually helping um, the the samurai quell this rebellion. And that kind of leads to... This movie where like it's a different take on what actually happened, but like that massacre at the beginning of the film that we're going to see is a real thing. It's based on historical events. Um, It was basically a, a, a squashing of Christianity, specifically Catholicism within Japan as a whole. And for a couple hundred years afterwards, like you don't really see Christianity in Japan until like the 1800s. And that's because, again, international trade gets reopened. And that eventually, like in 1947, post-war Japan constitution eventually guarantees freedom of religion. Um, but up until that point, like there's a group of what they call hidden Christians and like the, the hidden Christians and this rebellion are kind of tied to, to the, uh, the, the book and the eventual movie Silence, which is where you have Christians who are being hunted down, persecuted um, and martyred for their faith. And so, like you kind of have this marriage of religion and politics where, for better or for worse, um Christianity and Catholicism were tied to a political system, which can lead to really really horrific stuff. But I also think you had missionaries with like the intention to simply share their faith with other people, and because people are co opt that with you know power and and they um they tie it back to like having the ability to to leverage it for for politics or for gain or different things. That is what really drives the rebellion. And then, of course, what's really interesting is that the person who leads and squashes the rebellion itself, which is um, Matsukura uh, Katsui, he actually eventually is executed. I think he's one of the only feudal lords to be executed during this time period because they basically suspect him of, like, even though he squashes the rebellion, they know that he's also doing some nefarious things. And so he eventually
2: is beheaded for that, which is pretty interesting uh what what i'm echoing somewhere what what's happening don't hear an echo on my end well it's not there
3: anymore (laughs) um yeah so so you know if if you do watch this this movie um you know the the stuff that you see with um uh the uh uh the the public i guess you know protesting and um rioting you know the 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 taxes that were raised um that was to construct the Shimabara castle um so that that was like a a movement that they were 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 doing so th- so there is some like historical accuracy there and and uh yeah like matt said like the movie opens with the um the aftermath of of the rebellion um in real life um the the character that um the movie opens with um uh is it shiro yeah shiro yeah shiro Ama, amakusa, uh, amakusa um in real life he he was beheaded and his head was like put on a spike um in a uh, uh outside i think uh castle in in nagasaki um as a warning like hey like don't don't be coming up in here with 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 this stuff <laughs> <laughs> ever again um but yeah he he kind of like led that uh the rebellion of the christians um, uh against the the shimabara domain, so, um, so there's some history there, um, now, uh, uh, the,
2: um, uh,
3: the, the rebellion, uh, that was, that was, um, uh, stamped out by, uh, the Tokugawa shogunate, um, of which uh, a guy named Yagyu Jubei is a member. Um so uh it's important to talk about Jubei because um he is like a huge huge historical figure in Japan. Um Tom, do you want to tell us a little bit about this guy? Yeah, yeah. Now that now that we've learned that
1: uh Professor Xavier brought Christianity to Japan. <laughs> and uh on an island of guns boy that sounds that sounds oddly like what
0: Americans would love that to is, have actually yeah, happened just wrapped in the american flag in his <laughs> second amendment yeah just yeah
1: um but no yeah, yagyū jūbei is a he's one of the more well-known or famous famous i would say famous and romanticized samurai of japan's feudal era so He's a guy where they don't we don't really know much about his actual life. uh, He's kind of just become
3: like a folk hero almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Although he was a person who actually lived. Just people don't really know much about his life. He was rumored to be a master swordsman and, you know, was known that he kind of fought for at least represented the, the Tokugawa Shogun. And that's that's most of what really factually people know about this guy. He did not, as far as anyone knows, have a part in the Shimabara rebellion, but in Japanese pop culture, he's just kind of become this sort of legendary figure because he was rumored to have been a great, a great, uh, sword fighter. So, In this in this sort of pop culture legend world, he has the legend around him is that he was trained to be an expert swordsman from a very young age. And while sparring with his father, his father struck him in the eye and he lost an eye and he then had to wear an eye patch for the rest of his life. So that's how he's generally depicted in pop culture. Although portraits at the time show him with both of his eyes. But that's only kind of just now breaking into the Japanese pop culture thing of depicting him with both eyes. And even then, what a lot of content creators and and people tend to do then is they have him start with both eyes and then have him lose it so that they can still incorporate the eye patch piece to it. Sonny Chiba would go on to play Yagyu Jubei in four movies, one TV movie and two TV series. Uh, The other, one of the other, the other, or one of the other movies was actually also directed by Kenji Fukusaku uh, and that's called Shogun's Samurai, also known as Yagyu Clan Conspiracy or Intrigue of the Yagyu Clan. But so, yeah, so there's another movie that chiba played this same character for and chiba was so taken with this character that he even helped create a mascot based on the character which is this it's this little cute i don't know is it is it like a bird kind yeah, of it thing looks like, like a it's got like a like a bird beak Almost. and it's got an eye patch and holding a sword it's just like a little cute like a pokemon looking thing or something like
3: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so uh so now we get to the the actual movie which um takes place like right after that rebellion. So this is like this is like a what if <laughs> version of of what what happened after the after that rebellion. Um Tom, do you wanna give us a, a plot breakdown here? Sure.
1: Right, so it picks up with thousands of slaughtered Christians right at the end of the rebellion. And somehow this, this Shiro Amakusa has, has managed to survive and he, you know, renounces God. He's like, God, you bastard. You, all of my people are dead. I renounce you. And, and I like Satan now. Satan is my man. He's my dog. And Satan's like, hey, thanks, guy. How about now I give you the power to take your revenge? And he's like, sweet. So he now gains the power to resurrect the dead and turn them into ghosts or demons who work in Satan's service. And they want to get their revenge. So he begins with the wife of a samurai who mocked her because she was very chaste and... She like only wanted him to be with her, and got very jealous when he took his concubines because you know that's just something that dudes did back then they would have concubines, and you know she didn't like that, and this guy like brings he he like brings one of his concubines in, and he's like, "I'm gonna go have sex with this girl now ha 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 bye uh, and he leaves her to die during the the rebellion and the invasion, so Shiro like finds her on her at in her death throes and he's like I, I will restore you to your beauty in exchange for coming to me and she's like done and should
3: we should mention that all the all these people that he's bringing back are actual like Japanese historical figures right so
1: then they go to the the cave where this swordsman Musashi is hanging out and he's like ah uh, if only i had ever Banged my wife more, I would have lived a better life. And also, I never got to challenge my one worthy opponent. And, you know, Shiro shows up and he's like, Hey, I'll bring you back to life. And you could bang away. And he's like, No, no. Oh, wait, I'm having a heart attack. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so he joins them. Um, me, that's when Jubai or Yagyu Jubai enters and, and you know, cause he's looking to find Musashi as like a swordsmith or a swordsman and, you know, just kind of be with exchange ideals or something, but you know, whoops, he's too late. And then the, the, the three baddies encounter a Buddhist monk, who is plagued with fantasies of having sex and killing people. So like, he's walking around, he sees these two women and then like imagines himself like raping and murdering them. And, you know, they're like, Oh, this is good thing. This is just in your dreams. (laughs) And he then commits suicide in despair though, because he cannot purge himself of these, these thoughts. And Shiro is like, listen, if if you, you know su- submit yourself to me and say that you regret having had these thoughts, you can come back to life and like try again. So he comes back and he's now loyal to Shiro also. So this guy's got four dead baddies working for him. Meanwhile, Jubei like has a, run an an evil avenger. <laughs> yes. Like turning them all into demons. Meanwhile, Jube has come across them and, you know, he's like, oh, these guys are bad. I should probably do something about them. So he tries to get like his dad to help them. And his dad is like, yeah, we can like, try something. <laughs> I might be getting things a little bit out of order, but no, his his dad like fights against them.
2: And then does he take one of them out? The dad.
3: The he like isn't there like another son that he like hates
0: one of his the, the uh, there's a bunch of people that hate other people that die I think yeah. I think uh, the, the early the, the
1: early goings of this movie and bringing everything together are a little jumbled but. But yeah, so like the dad then fights against them and he's about to die. And as the dad's about to die, he's like, oh, my only regret is that I never got to fight my son in a true battle because he's my only worthy opponent. And Shiro's like, hey, 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 hey. (laughs) And so he decides to join the bad guys, too. Meanwhile... Yagyu then is like, oh, my God, my dad is with them and like everyone is with them. I better go find this master sword maker, Muramasa, who has been exiled because his swords were considered to be too efficient at killing and too nasty and too evil. So I need evil to destroy evil. And Muramasa is like, no, I don't think I can because doing the last time I did one of these, it almost killed me because I pour like all of my evil thoughts into my swords or whatever. But then he does eventually decide to help him. And you get a a pretty, pretty famous line in, in here where he says this, you know, this is the best sword I've ever made. And if you need to cut a ghost, you can cut a coast. In fact, if you encounter God, God will be cut. Um, that's, you know, that's repurposed in Kill Bill. Um, and then after he makes the sword, he's like, ah, I died. But, <laughs> But he does not join the bad guys. Meanwhile, though, also, Shiro has his four baddies, like all doing different things to more infiltrate the shogunate and try to like weaken it and bring it down. So he has like the, the, the woman, he has her go and like seduce him. And whenever he's like, I need to like get back and, you know, help because there's these four demons like pillaging the lands. She's like, no, what don't you, you're just going to have sex with one of your concubines. You don't really love me. And he's like, no baby, I I love you. And she's like, no, just go and he's like well when a woman says just go you can't just go so she like she like is toying with his mind and 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 weakening him that way while they are like attacking his villages and his people and and all of that kind of stuff things kind of come to a head and shiro is challenged by the initial sword fighter that he was looking for and then they fight and then there's a big climactic showdown at the, the capital and you know, the, the shogunate has to fight against these, the, all these, these demons while the, the place actually burns down. And, and, uh, Yagyu Jubei shows up at that and has like a final battle with
3: his dad and a final battle with, um, with, with Shiro as well. Um, did we mention uh, Hiroyuki Sonada's character, the the young farmer, Kiramu or whatever, Kira Maru?
0: Which
1: Kira. one? Which one is he, He's the one who ends up joining them,
3: right? And he's then, the one that like kind of just joins them for like no reason. He joins like, he's them. The, he's a really young guy.
1: Yeah, he joins them and then like regrets joining them and doesn't help them really and he yeah. he kind of helps he kind of helps um yagyu at various times yeah um and then and then the, shiro just kills him
0: just to yeah there's a subplot where like they tell him to rape this girl that he's interested in and then he like essentially starts the process and then he like grows a conscience he's like i can't do this and then he's supposed to be the the quote unquote good one i guess
3: yeah he's uh that's hiroyuki Sonata, who uh is a great Japanese actor that usually these days shows up, probably getting paid nicely, but wasted in Hollywood movies, at like every turn, <laughs> whether it's Avengers Endgame or Mortal Kombat, when where you know he plays Scorpion and at uh, the beginning, yeah, yeah, at the beginning you're like, yeah, I forgot he can actually act, and then it's like, oh, he's just not going to do anything. <laughs> um. Uh. Anyway, so so that's uh um Samurai Reincarnation uh this is my first time watching it um uh but uh it's a movie that's been on my radar for a while um I don't know there's a lot to like here I don't know where uh, did you guys want to start with uh positives or you want to get negatives out of the way what
1: uh... I mean my general impression was my my general impression of the movie in general got like more positive the further it went right mm-hmm. cuz at the very beginning like i said it's it's very it's very confusing kind of how it all starts to come together and there there is a lot of that like i i made light of it in my plot summary but you know like the guy the musashi is like no i'm not going to join you get out of here and then oh i'm having a heart attack wait come back you know there's like there's some of that kind of stuff going on while they're assembling the, the, the demon all-star team that is a little, a little confusing, a little plotting, a little repetitious, but then the further you go along and once, once Sonny Chiba's character starts to, to have more to do, it gets better and better and better. Mm -hmm. Um, I I,
3: the climax is really good. I wasn't is. super keen on
1: the very, very ending, but the climax as a whole was
4: awesome.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Spoiler uh, alert for the very, very ending, I guess. It <laughs> is,
1: um, you know, he he defeats Shiro and cuts his head off, and then Shiro's like, I'll be back again, ma-ha-ha, and like I, that's the end.
0: Isn't isn't his line something like, "People exist, and because people exist, I'll always be able to come back" or some something like that?
3: Maybe. Um. Did you watch the dub or did you watch it subtitled? I watched the sub. Okay. God, this is one where Tom. Did you look at the dub at all? I did not. In the next twenty-four hours, just you know. You don't even have to watch a lot of it. Just go to, like, a random scene and watch, like, five minutes of the dub. It is, like, it needs to be heard to be believed. <laughs> uh, because here you have, like, a pretty serious and well-made movie with, like, real actors giving, like, real performances. Like, I, I especially, I mean, Sonny is always great, but I especially like the guy that plays Shiro, like, I thought his performance was, like, really captivating. And then the dub is, like, everyone's, like, a cartoon character. Like, it's crazy. Like, no no voice actor is doing, like, a normal voice. They're all doing, like, a, a really high-pitched voice or, like, it's like if everyone, it's like if half the cast talked, like, the bad guy from the seventh curse or something like it's insane how like <laughs> off the the it, like how how bad the dub loses the the intent <laughs> like
0: I'm it, watch the, the the opening prayer. Yeah, just works.
3: just watch the opening scene with that opening monologue with Shiro and the dub and like you will have an idea of like what the rest of it is like it's truly crazy um it's unfortunate that that's the version that seems to be readily uh, easily like that's the one that's like like this movie is streaming on a few uh sites but it's always the crazy dub um the there there is a subtitled version on archive.org and there's also a subtitled version on youtube but I feel like it, the, that would totally change your perception. I know, right? Movie. Like there's no way you can watch the dub and come out like feeling like you watched like a real movie. <laughs> like it's, it's 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 like wrong. I I don't know. It's it's perversely wrong and whoever <laughs> is responsible for it should feel very bad. Um <laughs> with that, but with that out of the way, no. Um no, I I really liked this movie, and and uh, yeah, I, I I agree. Like the setup does take a while, well, what as he's you know turning everyone into these evil demons, but uh, when the when it when things get going, like when there is an action scene or something, like it really does go like balls to the wall, um, and uh, uh Sunny Chiba's great. I mean the. It, the, it, there's also some stuff that's just like really kind of inexplicably amusing like um Shiro has a weapon that's like it's like hair it's, it's the like, hair of all the people the women who were m- murdered or something yeah but in like, but like he uses it like a whip and when he does it it makes like a really bizarre sound that I can't really describe but like it's not a normal sound effect and it's not how <laughs> anything should sound the music is really interesting like a lot of the score is feels kind of like traditional japanese um you know the music that you would hear in any like samurai film but then whenever there's an action scene it it starts it turns into like like it sounds like a like suddenly like goblin are doing the music like yeah. you know it sounds like music <laughs> that would be in like an argento movie or something um uh yeah, the I mean, this is Sonny Chiba with his Japan Action Club, you know. So you know you're gonna get good action scenes. You know you're gonna get, you know, um, cool stunts and stuff. Um, uh, the the climax is awesome. I love the final confrontation where they're they're in a burning building, and like you almost get nervous watching because it's like if one guy misses a cue, like he's gonna light on fire it's one of those things like on our last sunny chiba episode when we were talking about gi samurai and you know how oh these days you know all this stuff would be cg green screened and stuff like this would just be like two people fighting in a green uh a green set with cartoon fire added later but like no these guys are like in a burning building and there's like a full like full on sword fight. It's like it, it's 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 insane, but it's it's really striking. Um and, and Sonny Chiba uh, is
1: also like all covered in in like symbols to like ward off the
3: demons like um like in, in on Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, that's an awesome reveal too, when he's like, Hey, here I am, but oh I got these symbols to ward you guys off, like, yeah, they're painted all over his face, and he just looks like, I mean, he's Sonny Chiba, but he just looks as, like, badass as Sonny Chiba could look. He, and, and, uh, and, yeah, he gets to fight his asshole of a dad who's just like, I only want to keep living because I don't like that my son is better than me. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, you you know, you get satisfaction there, and then, um, you know and and you get him and Shiro which you know Shiro is awesome I he was he was like he was my favorite character here like that I that actor is just really um that was um uh, Ken Sawada or is it Ken Kenji Sawada um Kenji Sawada that's right okay um but yeah he's really good in this um and um yeah i i guess if if there's some if there's complaints, I think, uh, you know, two hours is a little long, I think. Um I you know, I already said good things about him earlier. Here, Yuki is a great actor. I mean, even to this day, it's always like a pleasant surprise when he shows up in something, but um his character I didn't make much sense to me. And um, you know, the whole they they kinda try to do this love story with him that I don't think is really developed well and I think you could chunk him out of the movie <laughs> um, completely almost um you could like you could
1: you know not to rewrite the movie thing but like you could pull him out or eat further back or however and focus more or at least earlier on on Sonny Chiba and his dad so that when that moment comes at the end, cause that really does feel like the, the bat feels more like the climax of the movie that feels even more like cathartic and, mm-hmm. and appropriate because the way the movie's kind of structured is, you know, I'm sitting there watching it and I'm getting to like the end of this movie and I'm like, but this is like the showdown between Chiba and his dad. But like the the, the main bad guy that we've like focused on this whole time is also still there. You know, and I think if you just kind of tweaked it so that maybe the focus, like, you still ha- can have Shiro be there and still have him be sort of like the big bad. But if you focus it in more on those two characters and their relationship, then when Shiro is a little bit more of an afterthought in the finale, it it at least feels like, oh, well, we have to wrap up the story versus we gave the big cathartic moment to the dad and then you don't get that with the main villainous, the main antagonist.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that would be a clever adjustment, I think. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that in here and I I think that does kind of throw the the flow off a little bit. Um, uh, But uh, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, I, I think the movie's really fun. Um it's not a movie you, it's not like a movie that you would see just on any old day, you know, it's something. Um I really like the kind of mashup of genres. I think that's something that Fukusaku has always done well. Um but but you do see it here. Um just from an art design perspective, it does have kind of a gloomy, almost Mario Baba esque um uh design to it. You know, there's always like some fog um, in the foreground, stuff like that um so so aesthetically i I dig it um uh, yeah. and and yeah it 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 ends in a really good highlight with with that fight in a freaking burning building. <laughs> um, you talk about like we talked
1: in an earlier episode about the green slime, you know, and we said, just poor lighting a lot of times is what made it look not so good. And then contrast that with this where like everything is, is lit so well. And there's such an atmospheric feeling falling over it. I mean that, that, op- the, the, the visuals and the, the visual aesthetic of that opening sequence with the, the massacre and just kind of panning across all the, the, the dead body bodies and,
3: everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And heads and the, and and the image, and...
1: the image too of the, of the cross kind of standing above it all. And Shiro, you know, being pissed at it. Like that is just it's visually uh very striking.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that opening sequence is really something. I don't think I was prepared for how like there's so many body parts everywhere. I, I, <laughs> really I mean, is, like yeah. literally just everywhere. Like there had to be hundreds of like heads on pikes and and, and different things. Um I'm kind of right there with Tom where like the beginning of the movie's a bit plotting. And they open it up with this like hell chapter one hell chapter two thing when he's recruiting all the different different henchmen i do think as the movie gets moving um it picks up and for the better the the production values are off the charts for this film and we talked about like how awesome that that finale is but like man it it's really well put together like the fire looks like it's just right on top of them and like legitimately if they make the wrong step six inches in one, like either direction, they're going like to be
3: nerve wracking.
0: Yeah. It's a lot <laughs> kind of upsetting. I also <laughs> think like the other, the, the main complaints that I have is, is I think you could tighten up some of the things at the beginning. You could totally cut out, you know, Kira Maru's character because I'm not sure there's any real consequence other than he's supposed to be like the good one of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I, I do think like the climax you have all this buildup between father and son, and then you get to the main bad guy, and he's like, "It's it is very much anticlimactic, and it feels, I don't know, like I, I wanted there to be more comeuppance based on what happened, um, and and you just don't get that, and so like I that's to me is kind of disappointing, but I I do think there's a ton in this movie to to enjoy.
3: There's some good uh like gore like violence stuff in here too, um, you know you got. You, in addition to just that crazy opening where you just have body like piles of bodies, but um you know there's you know there's throat slashes and you know beheadings and um and blood and, uh, spurts everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah what what and um was it the Buddhist guy that like he gets a sword like like slash right down like the middle of his face, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that was that was gnarly <laughs> um uh yeah there's there's some 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 good stuff in here um whenever whenever uh
1: jubei kills them kills one of them um you know they like they they turn into like desiccated corpses that's a pretty cool flourish and effect when that happens yeah i i really like the part too when 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 Yagyu is fighting uh Musashi the the swordsman that he wanted to to find in the very beginning. Um he's got he's got the guy's white daughter I think it is who like you know would then remind him of his his wife or something but she's playing like a haunting tune on on her flute to like try and distract him. That's just like a really cool Like aesthetic or something. The the whole movie. This is where we get back to. I I mentioned it when we when we talked about the seventh curse and how you know I love getting these little fill in gaps of this isn't Tokusatsu, but like of like Japanese effects and Japanese kind of epic fantasy things in the eighties because you know growing up my whole experience with Japanese cinema was Godzilla. And then even once that expanded a little bit, it expanded to like Gamera and other monsters. And you just don't get a lot of that genre output in the eighties. Go watch gunman, man. And then, and then, you know, this is, this is a, I just, anytime I come across like a Japanese or or Asian like eighties movie, I'm always just very taken with the the visuals and the aesthetics of it, and I wish I, you know I always want to see more like
2: that and mm-hmm. this hit that very well um
3: I' gonna hear something crazy, and it's like uh you might think it sounds like a good idea, but the American edit of this cuts it from two hours to eighty eight minutes Ooh. so you're, yeah, so. We, it's like okay, we're saying like okay, you could trim it up here and there. I don't think any of us would say you need to lose 32 minutes. But it's like when you look at the stuff they were that was cut, a lot of it is like the kind of like motivations for all these characters, like that he's bringing back, you know, their backstories. Um they cut out pretty much all of the stuff um with uh Sunny Chiba and his dad. So when he comes to fight him at the end, it's like, "Oh, he's just fighting another demon guy." Um and what yeah that which a, to yeah. to me that just feels like the american distributors being like oh this is too too this is too jap too, too japanese like you know uh we don't care who, who these people are or what the history is or the culture or whatever we just want to get to the it feels like someone literally being like i don't care who these people are i don't care about the culture I don't care about the Japanese history behind it. I just want to get to the fight scenes. And it, it, it sounds I haven't watched the American version, but it sounds like that's exact that's what they did. Instead of like being more meticulous about it and being like, eh, you know, you could cut this character back or whatever." Like instead of doing that, they were just like, "Let's just get to the fights. Who cares about anything I else?" I could see I could see
1: cutting back a lot of the first half hour or so with with shiro assembling a lot of the team right and kind of what i was saying if you want to focus more on on sonny chiba and his dad right you kind of kind of well they they thought the opposite
2: well yeah but it
1: it sounds like they did both right it sounds like you said they they cut out their motivations and the dad stuff it's like I get the idea of like, let's cut down all these other kind of ancillary things and their motivations. Like, like the, the, the spurned wife and the, the horny swordsman and the, the nasty thinking Buddhist and like, let's cut their stuff all way down and, you know, not focus as much on that. And it's fine if this like random sword fighter that, sonny chiba encounters on a beach later in the movie is just like an action beat um let's cut all that down to focus more so that the movie seems more like it's about the the father and the son so that when they meet back up at the end you're like oh this is this is the the real shit but (laughs) you're gonna cut that out too what are you left with other than action (laughs) sequences i don't know it almost feels like it's like, it's like you're how... left with it's like you're left with action sequences and then that that bad side story
3: about the romance. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what you, like yeah they were like oh well while we're cutting stuff let's just cut out the main character's whole arc and then <laughs> and then they yeah it, it, it's it's like it's like Godzilla fans that are like oh I wish I could watch. You know, King of the Monsters, but it's only monster fights, and it's like you're wound up with like a 20 minute movie or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're they're the movie's not perfect. There would be smarter ways to recut it, uh, and they just took the absolute dumbest, <laughs> dumbest yeah. way. <laughs> you could you could cut out cuz I even left
1: it out of the plot synopsis the part where Shiro curses the the crops
3: yeah so that there's the, like the
1: famine yeah so that the people are like mad at the shogunate I mean like that's that's stuff you can you could cut out right and and for all I know that is left on the cutting room floor also
3: but like Then yeah, I really don't know what you're laughing. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, someone should have been like, "What what are you doing?" (laughs) (laughs) Um. But no, I I I I dig this movie. This is one I don't know that I would revisit it a lot, but it might be one that you know. You know, years down the line, I might be like, "Yeah, you know, I'd like to check that out again." Um. So, I I I definitely think I mean, first of all, any anyone who's a fan of Sonny Chiba, which should be everybody. Um, should check it out. Uh, anyone that is into you know this period of Japanese history who also likes you know horror movies and fantasy movies, and you know, samurai films like, it's gonna be way up your alley. Um, so I, I overall, I would, I would recommend it. Next yeah, time yeah.
2: I I'm, I'm gonna watch the dub just, okay. just because.
1: Uh, Kenji yeah, Sawada is, is the uh is the, the the patriarch of the family in Happiness of the Katakuris.
3: Yeah, he's shown up in in a lot of stuff. I don't know that when I saw Happiness um I recognized him, but uh um yeah, he's he's done a lot of stuff. He's uh he's a singer um he uh <clears throat> Uh apparently he he has a his nickname is Julie because he is he loves the actress Julie Andrews <laughs> Um Uh he's written songs for uh the Bee Gees. Um but uh yeah, he's 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 done a lot of stuff. He plays um, like
1: the number two ranked samurai in uh in, in Pistol Opera. Yeah. Which is a movie
3: yeah um he's in uh uh, it's been
1: years since i've seen that though so i don't ask me more than that
3: yeah he's in (laughs) um um mishima uh, paul schrader's movie which is excellent um if you if you like japanese historical kind of stuff that that's one to check out but uh um but yeah no this it's this is a solid movie it's got a good cast it's it's got um uh, crazy demons and Sonny Chiba fighting demons, and also Sonny Chiba <laughs> fighting in a burning building. It's uh, you know, it's and, a, and beyond that too. Like this is this is one of those things where
1: you know the the more I get into some of these movies and things along the way, the the more I you end up having an appreciation for a lot of the things that Tarantino does in his movies, and this mm-hmm. is this is very clearly a movie that Quentin Tarantino has seen and likes, you know? So if you're looking for, if, if you're looking for another layer of appreciation to add onto your enjoyment of Kill Bill, I mean, this is, this is definitely a movie to watch to see where he got some of his inspirations from.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I'm And with, you know, Sonny Chiba being in Kill Bill. And the, I mean, the movie's dedicated to Kinji Fukusaku for crying out loud. I mean, yeah, someone's a fan.
1: <laughs> right. And it uses a piece of dialogue from this movie.
3: And, um,
1: you know, is there, is there some parallel between, between, uh, Shiro and Daryl Hannah's character? I mean, maybe, I don't know. Or not Shiro, but, uh, between Yagyu you know with the eye patch i mean yeah.
3: there are was i think they call her one eye that's that's a movie that that's i think more directly um inspired okay. inspiring it but
1: yeah still i mean there's there's still like it it adds pieces to that too so you know you got the you got the curse out or you got the you got the Sonny Chiba reason to see it, you got the Tarantino reason to see it, you got the eighties Japanese fantasy film reason to see it. I mean You have no reason not to see it, really.
3: Yeah. Don't be dumb.
1: Other than avoiding <laughs> the dub, but <laughs> Yeah.
3: Tom, I need you to watch a few minutes of the dub and like get back to me ASAP because it's it's <laughs> it's, baf- a- it's baffling.
0: Yeah, I think it's on like uh Midnight Pulp and maybe yeah, Tubi. Yeah, it's on Tubi. It's
3: on yeah. It it's 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 very easy to to find, but it it's 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 baffling. I mean, it's probably on YouTube in like 70 different forums, but yeah, it's it's insane. Um so uh how many
2: um how many historical
3: Demon how many historical figures as demons do we give samurai reincarnation?
0: Let me go first because I think I like it slightly less than both of you. Um, I, I think there's there's it's a fun movie. there's stuff to definitely like, which we've talked about. I do think the the anticlimactic ending with the main bad you know with the main villain. I think the the opening's a bit plotting. Um the fact that you can, you know, essentially cut out one of the entire segments with one of the characters and really have no impact to the story. Like there's some some better choices that could have been made there. But like on the flip side, like I the, the production designs are off the charts, So like the there's an eeriness to it. There's a lot of cool stuff to like about it. Of course you have Sunny Chiba and, and blood splatter galore, and then you have the the battle, you know, and the burning the burning was a castle building, whatever. So, I'm at a very solid three out of five. Um, probably something I would check out later. And just because I'm stupid, uh, I'd probably watch it dubbed next time just to maybe add some additional enjoyment. Because, like, there's sometimes a like a different you watch
3: experience, stuff, though. I can't, yeah, I so
0: inexplicable <laughs> that, like,
2: it, it's you just have to experience it understand it. All
3: right. Um, I think it's enjoyable i like the mashup of horror and samurai and fantasy it all like clicks together really well in this um i love the moody uh aesthetic i love sunny chiba as always i love that climax and the the big surprise for me was um kenji sawada as shiro is like just a captivating performance uh ruined in a Horrible dub, but um, he's excellent, <laughs> um, uh, and there, there's a lot to like here. Um, so I'm gonna give this three and a half.
1: Yep, I'm I'm pretty well right there. Uh, there's some some things that don't quite strike all that well, and some things that don't really work. And there's probably some cultural barriers too. You know, I mean, I oh yeah, you know, this is this is one of those things where I didn't grow up hearing about the the Shimabara rebellion so do (laughs) do I do I take a lessened enjoyment out of a play on it you know I mean definitely right yeah I mean it's 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 like show a show show a native Japanese person like America the motion picture you know I mean um the 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 like parody
2: of that of the rebellion starring uh Channing tatum but you know
1: so do i do i get like a little bit less out of it because of that I'm, i'm sure i do you know all these all these historical figures showing up as demons and and swordsmen and 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 in this historical time that was very important for japan yep um but It is just, it is so moody and atmospheric and the score is really cool. I really dig when it sounds like it's uh, scored by Goblin. Uh, (laughs) I, I, and, and yeah, the production design is off the charts. It won the Japanese Academy award for best art direction. So there's something for you. If you, if you don't. Believe my word for it or our word for it. So, yeah, I'm right at a three and a half out of five.
3: All right, I, I'll tell you something. This does make me want to track down more of uh stuff with Sonny Chiba playing Jubei. Like I'm, I, I feel like I want to. I would watch the. I would definitely watch the other one directed. Yeah, by I want Yeah, I, I'd like to sec- check out at least the other movie that Fukusaku did. But uh, anyway, so yeah, that's uh, Samurai Reincarnation. Um uh once again um it sucks that sunny chiba's gone <laughs> tom you weren't with us do you have anything you, you'd you like to add to that other than it sucks
1: no I, yeah it, it it's terrible and it's you know it's it's worse that it was probably fairly avoidable um yeah. at, at least for a little bit longer i mean i know he wasn't he wasn't Young, right? He was 82. God, he didn't look 82 though. Go, I know. (laughs) He looks better than we do, probably. (laughs) Um, but you know, it's 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 that part of it is is truly truly awful. But um, you know, we've got decades of movies of entertainment, and and what more could you could you ask for out of him? Um, so I, I appreciate his career I need to get
3: into more of it for sure check out but... street have you seen street fighter I always tell no. people start with street street fight like the street fighter is just it has earned its reputation
1: yeah so that's
3: that's on my list
1: I mean probably not till after Halloween it's got um um,
3: um Charlie from genocide and I won't t- I won't tell you what happens to him <laughs> but it's pretty freaking amazing. So so yeah, you know, RIP and... And then like uh, a week later, we lost Michael K. Williams, and then like two days later, it was like, oh, there's Norm mcdonald has gone. Yeah, what the... F- <laughs> that was in like two... It spanned like two weeks.
2: Can we do dirty work for kaiju musicians? <laughs>
3: I saw dirty work in the theater.
2: I like dirty work.
3: (laughs) Uh, All right. We're we're way we're past our bedtime when we're talking about dirty work on Kaiju transmissions. So I'm going to I'm going to give a (laughs) very quick plug
1: if I can. Uh, OK. You know, I've been on this show a lot. You don't Uh, say. uh, But (laughs) but I'm going to be launching a podcast in November. We bel we believe or I believe it'll probably go live in November. We have at this point recorded about. 10 episodes. Don't quote me on that. It might be nine. It might be 11. Uh, Matt has been on one. Uh, It is a upcoming Dragon Ball podcast. Uh, It's called Final Forum. Um, I'll be getting a Facebook page together and everything in the near future. It's a podcast dedicated to all things Dragon Ball. We're going to break down the cultural significance behind things, the literary inspirations. Uh, You know, I... I wasn't super aware of a lot of this stuff. So it's really just me and a a friend of mine who have been fans of this show for a really long time and decided, you know, there's there's a lot more to it beneath the surface. So why don't we learn about it and then share what we're learning with people so that other people can potentially learn about it, too, because most Dragon Ball podcasts that I've heard are either just, like, praising the the anime and the art and all that stuff, and that stuff is great and everything, too, or there was one I listened to that was like, hey, let's talk about the 1992 contest that Shonen Jump ran in their magazine, and, like, that's just, that's far beyond my depth at this point, you know, so we're trying to take the approach of let's take people who are fans of this or not very familiar with it and, and introduce them to it and learn some s- stuff along the way. Okay. Uh, so one thing, uh, final forum, um,
3: cause I wanted to call it the scouter report, but that's already a show. Okay. Uh, Matt and I should probably start plugging Kaiju masterclass two on here. <laughs> um <I hope> so. <laughs> yeah that just kind of reminded me <laughs> yeah it is coming though for anyone that doesn't know it's a virtual convention uh november 5th through 7th um hopefully we'll be doing some podcasts and some press and and stuff this month um we're, we kind of need to shift gears into promotional mode but uh uh we have uh so that that's you know our virtual convention that um uh Steve Rifle got us involved with um last year. We're doing it again. Um and uh the goal is to kind of get an insight into uh behind the scenes of how the stuff is made. This year we have Kazuki Amori, um director of Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla Biolante, we have Tom Kitagawa who played Godzilla in all the Millennium films except for GMK. Um we have Fuyuki Shinada who um Uh, was a sculptor that uh, built monsters for um, Godzilla vs. Biollante, um, King Ghidorah, uh, Gamera 2, Gamera 3, um, uh, Linda Haynes, uh, who starred in Latitude Zero, uh, William Stout, who um, was doing design work for the uh, Steve Miner 80s American Godzilla movie that didn't get made, Um, Tiffany Grant, who voiced... uh, um Nagamine and the Gamera trilogy and Asuka and Evangelion and like 900 other things um uh Matt who am I forgetting we have a uh, Makoto Inoue who um uh um produced uh a bunch of re-recordings of Akira Ifukube's music um he's also a composer of a lot of anime and and stuff like that um Norman England is back Uh, Mark Schilling from the Japan Times. We have Jasper Sharp from Arrow. Um, uh, Mike Bogue will be doing a presentation about the history of the atomic bomb in uh, uh, Japanese uh, monster movies. Um, Of course, John LeMay will be back. Um, He'll be doing a a making of Gorgo thing with us that I think is going to be pretty cool. Um, and, And Kevin. Uh Dorff will be back, of course, giving the history of the multiple studios founded by the children and grandchildren of Eiji Tsuburaya. So that was, uh, I don't know, Tom, like yours, that was quite a long plug, but <laughs> considering it's the first time we've mentioned it on here, I feel like I probably had to do everything. <laughs> but check us out on Facebook and Twitter and everything. There will be updates. Um There will be guests. Well, I guess by the time, Matt, by the time this comes out, our next guest will have been announced, right?
0: If not, that guest isn't coming on. So,
3: <laughs> well, that should be Friday. This Friday, that's going to drop. So this won't be out before then. So I guess, I guess we can say it. Um, we we have a uh, Rijiro Kuroku, who composed the score for Godzilla uh, eighty four. Ooh. Um,
2: and,
3: yes, and this will be his very first English language interview uh, about um, uh, Godzilla eighty four and his music. So um, that's a baller score. Yes, it is uh, underappreciated, probably because like he just did one, and someone needs to ask that guy. I hope it's on the list of questions somewhere. Why he
1: only ever did the one?
3: Because. Sh- he thinks you're a nerd. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's. Uh, I'm it's... super looking forward
1: to uh, kaiju masterclass though. Last year's was excellent. If for some reason you've never checked out last year's, go check it out. It's all on YouTube. Just search for kaiju masterclass. That's excellent. Yeah.
3: And um, ho- you know, hopefully we'll have some more guest announcements coming soon. But uh, no, it should be it should be good. Um, I think I think we have a a really solid lineup this year. Um so anyway, now that uh Tom and uh Tom and I have both done our long-winded um plugs. Uh let's get out of here cuz you know, tomorrow we have life tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.